So today we close out our series on the book of the prophet Isaiah with a number of scriptures. I'm being pretty ambitious with hoping to read to you some of the closing verses from the final chapters of Isaiah today. But we're going to begin with uh, three key passages, two from Isaiah, two verses from Isaiah, and then turning to the baptism of our Lord. This is baptism of our, our Lord Sunday. We see the connection, of course, with the prophecies of Isaiah. Beginning with Isaiah chapter 64, verse 1, and then to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1, and over to Mark's gospel, chapter 1, verses 10 and 11. Hear now God's word. Isaiah is praying to the Lord. Oh, that you would rend, or literally tear, or tear open, rend, tear the heavens, and come down, that the mountains might quake at your presence. And then to Isaiah chapter 65, verse 1, the Lord speaks, I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am, to a nation that was not called by my name. And then to Mark's gospel, chapter 1. As an introduction, I will read verse 9, and then our key verse, verse 10 and verse 11. In those days, Jesus came from Nazareth of Galilee and was baptized by John, that is John the Baptist, in the Jordan. And then verse 10. And when he came up out of the water, immediately he saw the heavens being torn open. Do you see that answer to the Isaiah 64 verse 1 prayer? Same words. When Jesus came up out of the water of his baptism, he saw the heavens being torn open, just like was prayed in Isaiah 64 1. And the Spirit descending on him like a dove. And a voice came from heaven, you are my beloved son, with you I am well pleased. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Friends, the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Amen. This is from Isaiah chapter 25, verse 8. We preached on this passage earlier this past year as we moved through Isaiah. He, that is God, God, will swallow up death forever. And the Lord God will wipe away tears from all faces. And the reproach of his people, he will take away from all the earth. For the Lord has spoken. You know that verse, not only from the series we've just preached through on Isaiah, but also if you've come to many funerals over which I've officiated, you've heard me quote from Isaiah 25, verse 8. He's going to wipe away all the tears from all faces. And then Isaiah chapter 65, verse 17. It's on the cover of the bulletin today. It is the big picture prophecy. The Lord says, for behold... I create, I create, just like Genesis 1 opens with a creation, this is new. 
Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth, for the former things shall not be remembered or come into mind. Is everything sad going to come untrue? Is everything sad going to come untrue? Anybody dealing with any sadness right now? Ever dealt with sadness? Is everything sad going to come untrue? That is the great question, great line from Tolkien's, the, the final section of Tolkien's uh, The Return of the King in his Lord of the Ring trilogy. Things look grim as you move towards, really in the direction of the close of the return of the king. The final battle approaches, but the forces of evil uh, seem like they're going to prevail. And then we go from bad to worse. You may remember in the story, Frodo finally breaks. After being pretty good, Frodo just not, cannot resist the seduction, the temptation anymore. And Frodo takes the ring for himself, claiming the ring and the power for himself. Classic human sin, right? We, we want to be in charge and we want the glory for ourselves. He succumbs and he has the ring on his finger. But, but then in the great turn of history and in the story that is, of course, a biblically infused, directed story in Lord of the Rings, uh, the demonic golem, you know, apprehends Frodo, attacks Frodo, even bites his finger off, and takes the ring. So the demonic golem is then celebrating there at the crack of doom, and he falls into the fire. And all of a sudden, we have a great turn of events. Gollum, but, but more, much more importantly, the ring are eviscerated. The ring is finally gone. And sure enough, as a result of this, Sauron and the armies of evil perish in the final battle. Everything turns out right. And so then, on the happily ever after side of that fictional but biblically directed story, Sam wakes up as if from thunder, surprised. And he's surprised to be alive. He's surprised to see Gandalf. And he asked the question of the day and of our living space in which we live in the 21st century. Is everything sad going to come untrue? A Christian, that question more than ever is relevant to us today. And let me highlight both parts of that question. First of all, the reality check. There is sadness. <laughs> there is sadness. There is sadness. And, and then secondly, the hope-infused query. Is everything sad going to come untrue? We can thank God that in his revelation, specifically in his word, God is completely revealing about our sadnesses and about the source of our sadnesses in sin and cosmic evil. But God is also clear that his goodness, his holiness, his side will prevail. Jesus came 
his first coming to show us the way through the sadness and the sin and to deliver us. Jesus will come again, the return of the king. But Isaiah is talking about in the final chapters of Isaiah, the return of the king to consummate the victory and indeed to bring about what God has prophesied. Behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. All the sadness will come untrue. Um, in this 21st century, clouded by so much darkness and deception, we need to follow the Lord's word and his spirit. Oh, deliver us to the right side of history, God. The right side of history. Now, that's the opening part of today's sermon title. And if you read my Friday morning email, you know that I'm using irony in part when I use that as our title. Because if you follow politics or academia or any kind of general propaganda that's going on, particularly in the late 20th century into the 21st century, that is a hackneyed platitude that usually indicates we're talking about Marxist progressivism, critical theory, um, the LGBTQ agenda, something else that is trying to, to basically deconstruct old traditions, including centrally, and most importantly, this is the big problem, Judeo-Christian values and traditions. We're trying to take those down and get on, quote, the right side of history. But today, I am here to proclaim to you there is a right side of history. It's just different than 99% of people who are talking about the right side of history are referring to. It's a totally different message than that anti-Christian message and propaganda that so often talks about the right side of history. So today's sermon, the right side of history, new heaven and earth. Uh, First of all, let's go to Isaiah's prayers. Isaiah has been teaching us, and as we've studied Isaiah, and I commend to you, you know, I ask you to read through Isaiah one, two, or preferably three times over the course of 2021. I want to commend to you to continue in your daily and weekly Bible reading to be reading through Isaiah. And now with the sermons and the studies we've done on Wednesday night, you should have a lot better bearing on what's happening with all these poetic passages. But, but first of all, remember his prayers guide us. The prayers that are recorded in Isaiah are key points of reference for how you and how I should pray each day and throughout our lives. And, and I'm bringing us back to one of the one of the great prayers really recorded in all the book of Isaiah. It's a prayer of Isaiah specifically. And I commend it to you. You read the full prayer from Isaiah chapter 63, verse 7. And I have this highlighted for you in your notes that you can take home the, the handout today through Isaiah 64, verse 12. The petition that I read to open from 64, verse 1 about, Oh Lord, that you would rend the heavens and come down. That is in the middle of a much larger prayer from Isaiah. If you want to learn how to pray, I commend this prayer to you. So first of all, I want to say, pray on the right side of history. Pray on the right side of history. And I have several little further application points on that. First of all, pray to God who rules history. If you, if you want to talk about huge themes in the book of Isaiah, one of them is this. God rules history. God is sovereign. 
God rules history. God is sovereign. What God keeps saying through the prophet Isaiah is, people don't know what's going to happen. I can tell you what's going to happen 15 years from now, 15 minutes from now, 150 years from now, 5,000 years from now. That's what God keeps saying. I can name the Persian emperor who's going to release you and allow you to go back to Jerusalem 200 years before it happens. I, I can say, because God says, look, do you not understand this? I create time and space. I create history. I declare history. No idol and no man can do that for you. So God says, look, I, I rule history. So what I want to invite you to today is to pray to the God of history. It's his story. Pray on the right side of history. Pray to God who rules history and ask for his sovereign story, not the world's. Hey, a lot of times we get distracted with the world. The center of your prayer life needs to be on God's story, not all this noise that's happening all around us. Do you hear what I'm saying? Jesus teaches you to pray, thy kingdom come, thy will be done. Pray for God's story to prevail. Does God need us to do that? No, his story is going to prevail anyway. But he is inviting us to be children of his kingdom and to pray for his kingdom and his story. So first of all, when you pray on the right side of history, pray to the God who rules history for his sovereign story. Uh, just an example from Isaiah to remind you how much God controls history. Isaiah chapter 46, verses 8 through 10. Remember this, God says, and stand firm. Recall it to mind, you transgressors, you sinners. Remember the former things of old. For I am God and there is no other. I am God and there's none like me. Declaring the end from the beginning. Declaring the end from the beginning. That's who God is. He, he's sovereign over all history and your history. Do you hear me? He's sovereign over all history and your history. Declaring the end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. Isaiah 46. In addition, even as you confess your story, which includes your sin, look up and ask for his story. Okay, so let me get really specific here on this. Yes, you are supposed to pray for forgiveness of your sin. That's your story, and that deals with your past and present. Confess it, though, and then look up and ask for his story to be the answer to your story and your sin. Do you hear what I'm saying? <laughs> in, other words, in other words, don't just focus on your sin and your story. Look up to him and ask for his story to take hold of your story. Ask for his cross to deal with your spiritual crisis, okay? Then beyond this, also pray steeped in God's word. And I'm going to give you a lot of words. I've got them there in the bulletin or the, the handout notes, but you need all these, okay? Pray steeped in God's word and his glory, his justice and righteousness, and his covenant faithfulness and love. All those are really important. And if you say, I can't keep up with it, take the notes home with you and start reading Isaiah and the rest of the Bible. Learn from Isaiah's great prayer. Let me teach you just the beginning of the way Isaiah begins his prayer. Before he ever gets to, oh, that you would rend the heavens and come down. Oh, that you would tear open the heavens and come down. Isaiah 64. Notice the way he starts his prayer. Listen to this. This is beautiful. Isaiah 63, verse 7. Here's how Isaiah begins his prayer. 
I will recount the steadfast love of the Lord, the praises of the Lord, according to all that the Lord has granted us, and the great goodness to the house of Israel that he has granted them, according to his compassion, according to the abundance of his steadfast love. So in other words, what's happening here is as we turn to God in prayer, we need to remember his story and how steadfast and faithful he is, how just and righteous and gracious he is all across history as we come to him now in this moment in 2022, okay? Remembering God and being steeped in his word. And if you say, I don't know any of that, I'm gonna say, start learning from the Bible. And Isaiah is a great place to start. Learn the way Isaiah prays. Now, secondly, so not only should you pray on the right side of history, number two, trust in God your Savior who puts you, this is great news, who puts you on the right side of history totally by his amazing grace. Trust in God who puts you on the right side of history by his amazing grace. It's not 80% him and 20% you. It's totally by his amazing grace. And just one verse, of course, the Bible and certainly the New Testament are full of this message. But, but look at this awesome verse from Isaiah 65, verse 1. The Lord responds to the prayer like this. God says this. Listen to his grace and condescension. I was ready to be sought by those who did not ask for me. I was ready to be found by those who did not seek me. I said, here I am, here I am. Remember the way Isaiah in chapter six, for instance, totally in, in obeisance before the Lord says, here I am. Remember that? God is acting like that here. In other words, these are rebellious people who aren't even asking for God. And God in his condescending grace is willing to come and say, here I am, here I am. I mean, it doesn't, the amazing grace of God doesn't get any more surprising than Isaiah 65, 1. And that's who he is, and that's how Jesus came. Born as a baby, in, placed in a manger? Are, are you kidding? Saying, here I am, here I am. So trust in that God, the God who saves you totally by his amazing grace, who comes to those who aren't even asking for him to save them. Number three, live on the right side of Jesus' baptism. Live on the right side of Jesus' baptism. Now, you've got to remember, baptism of Jesus. Jesus is baptized in John's baptism, which is for the repentance of sins. How many sins has Jesus committed? How sinful is Jesus? Zero, zero, okay. So, why is he doing this? Because he's stepping in for us at the baptism. But, but what I want to invite you to live on is the side of the baptism, which is highlighted in all the Gospels in Mark here, in Mark chapter 1, when Jesus comes up out of the water. And then we see the prophecies of Isaiah fulfilled, okay? When Jesus comes up out of the water, this is the side of the baptism I want you to live on. He sees the heavens being torn open. Schizomenus tus uranus, it's the same in the Greek that we're looking back at the, at the Hebrew in Isaiah. When Isaiah prays for this in 64.1, it's happened now. The heavens have been torn open, okay? And 
the Holy Spirit descends and rests upon Jesus like a dove. Remember this? And that's fulfilling Isaiah 11, verse 2, about the root of Jesse, the shoot from Jesse, the root of Jesse, the Spirit of the Lord will rest upon him. Remember that? Isaiah 11, 2. So we've got Isaiah, just all the prophecies of Isaiah are coming to bear on the right side of the baptism when Jesus comes up out of the water. And then, of course, we get the connection between the first of the suffering servant songs, Isaiah 42, 1, with Psalm chapter 2, verse 7. Behold my servant in whom I delight. You are my son. Today I have begotten you. Both of those things being fulfilled as the Father speaks from heaven and says, You are my beloved son. With you I am well pleased. Live on that side of the baptism. Jesus has already brought it. He's ushered it in. That's what the whole Bible is saying. That's what we're seeing in these fulfillments of the prophecies, including centrally the prophecies of Isaiah. So, just back briefly to last week's sermon, live in the freedom of that side of the baptism. Isaiah 61, verses 1 and 2, the song of the anointed conqueror. Jesus says, Jesus quotes this and says, this is me. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because the Lord has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim liberty to the captives, the opening of the prison to those who are bound, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And that language connects directly with Leviticus 25 and the Jubilee year, when all the slaves are set free, all the repossessed land is returned, and you start over again. It's like a recreation the year of the Lord's favor and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn. We are set free and justice will reign. And then finally, fourth, look forward in holy joy to live with him on the righteous side of forever. That's where this was all headed. The right side of history is the righteous side of forever. Okay, look forward to that live for that. Yield to the Holy Spirit that you would be made more and more holy and ready for eternal holy communion with the Lord. Because listen to this, you are going to be a delightful, beloved part of his holy communion forever. And that's what the Bible is telling us. You're not a fringe person who just barely gets in. You're part of the bride of Christ. Second Peter, Chapter 3, verse 13, listen to this. But in keeping with God's promise, we are looking forward to a new heaven and a new earth where righteousness dwells. See, what Peter just said is our whole life on this side of being saved is a fulfillment of what Isaiah is talking about in chapter 65 and 66, about the new heaven and the new earth, and we're part of the new Jerusalem that's coming. Prepare in holy joy by the power of his spirit for what you're going to share forever on the righteous side of forever. Revelation 21, verses 1 through 4. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. What's he talking about? Isaiah 65 and 66. Then I saw, John says, a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. And I saw the holy city, New Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. Do you hear that, Christian? 
You're part of the bride of Christ. You're going to be his delight in the kingdom forever. And I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them, and they will be his people, and God himself will be with them as their God. Verse 4, remember Isaiah 26 right here comes again. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes, and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. Just some beautiful imagery here from the scripture to set the stage for where our minds and our souls and our hearts need to be every day. Look, look ahead to this, Christian. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. This is Isaiah 61, verse 10 and following. I will greatly rejoice in the Lord. My soul shall exult in my God, for he has clothed me with the garments of salvation. He has covered me with the robe of righteousness. This is you. You're glorious, Christian. As a bridegroom decks himself like a priest with a beautiful headdress, and as a bride adorns herself with her jewels. For as the earth brings forth its sprouts, and as the garden causes what is sown in it to sprout up, so the Lord God will cause righteousness and praise to sprout up before all the nations. 62 verse 1, For Zion's sake I will not keep silent, the Lord says, and for Jerusalem's sake I will not be quiet until her righteousness goes forth as brightness and her salvation as a burning torch. The nations shall see your righteousness and all the kings your glory, and you shall be called by a new name that the mouth of the Lord will give. You shall be a crown of beauty in the hand of the Lord. You're precious. A royal diadem in the hand of your God. The new Zion, which includes all of us who are Christians. You shall no more be termed forsaken, and your land shall no longer be termed desolate, but you shall be called, my delight is in her, and your land married. Okay, the marriage is fulfilled here. For the Lord delights in you, and your land shall be married. And then Isaiah 62. Isaiah 62. Verse 11, Behold, the Lord has proclaimed to the end of the earth, Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your salvation comes. Behold, his reward is with him and his recompense before him. And they shall be called the holy people, the redeemed of the Lord. You shall be called sought out, a city not forsaken. Isaiah 65, 17 and following. For behold, I create new heavens and a new earth. The former things shall not be remembered or come to mind. He's erasing it all, just like Missy talked about with the children. And he's bringing forth a new creation in the beauty of his grace. And then this Jerusalem, this new Jerusalem created to be a joy for the Lord. Uh, then God takes us to look ahead to that final destination, Isaiah 66. For I know their works and their thoughts, and the time is coming to gather all nations and tongues, and they shall come and shall see my glory. I will set a sign among them, and from them I will send survivors to the nations, Tarshish, Pool, Lud, who draw the bow to Tubal, Javan, to the coastlands far away. In other words, to the ends of the earth in all different directions, north, south, east, west, that have not heard my fame or seen my glory. They shall declare my glory among the nations. 
And they shall bring all your brothers from all the nations as an offering to the Lord on horses and chariots and litters, mules, etc. To my holy mountain, Jerusalem, says the Lord, just as the Israelites bring their grain offering in a clean vessel to the house of the Lord. And some of them also, listen to this, verse 21 of Isaiah 66, I will take for priests and for Levites. These are Gentiles who will be holy priests to the Lord, live on the righteous side of forever, and know that he is preparing all this for us Christians, and rejoice and live in that power. This present history that has so much noise is passing away. That story, that righteous side of the story lives forever. Live in him, in the power and joy of his Holy Spirit. In the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, now and forever. Amen.